Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Bat Force Radio. We just had a nice little Black Adam episode. We have been, we've been talking about this for years, right, Grumps? Right, Robin? Yeah. Yeah. This has been like years in the making where we've talked about, we've done like one episode reviews and we've always wanted to do Grant Morrison stuff, but we've always like thought there's just so much that he's done and you really have to kind of give him more than just an episode. I mean, you have to do like a series of episodes if you're going to do a Grant Morrison run. And uh, he's one of the most uh, known uh, runs on Batman in, in the modern age. And uh, what we want to do is first go around the round table because I completely forgot that. We got Robin D. Cross in Canada. Hello. We got Gramps over in Texas. Hi. <laughs> we got uh, Teases on a potty break, but he's coming back uh, in Jersey. We got Grumps in New York. In the rotten apple. And uh, like we said, um, we've been wanting to do this for a while. Grumps is, would you say, I mean, I think, is Morrison like your favorite Batman writer? One of your favorite Batman Yeah, that was my, uh, I mean, that run that he did from, I think it's 2005 to, I, I forget when it ended. But yeah, that was, maybe, yeah, yeah. just... Well, it ran side by side with the New Fifty Two for a little bit at the end. And, yeah, at least yeah, a with, year or yeah, two. With in. Batman Incorporated, there, yeah, Incorporated stuff. But uh, I think it was seven years. I think it was like a seven-year run. So yeah, that was my favorite in terms of you know Batman writers. Yeah, Gramps, uh, and this is something that we can all kind of jump on. Um, where did you remember your first exposure to Grant Morrison? What was it? Was it Batman? Was it something else? Well, if you remember from my origin episode, Tom, in the early beginnings of Bat Force Radio, um, my early beginnings with Batman were reading Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle's run and then discovering after the Batman 89 movie, I found this little book called Dark Knight Returns by... I think he was a novice writer named Frank Miller. But then that led me to also picking up this other book called Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth. And reading that as a 13-year-old really did some damage to my psyche. Um, It really scared me. I read it once and I put it down and I never touched it again until I was an adult. Wow. Because it, it scared me. It was like, what is this? This is so crazy. I was seeing, you know, when you're, when you're used to reading, you know, Batman in, in the way that Norm Brayfogle drew him and Jim Aparo and all those guys, Neil Adams. And then you see that, and you read that, you're like, what? I don't even know who this is, but it's like watching a horror movie that scares you, but you, you love it. Um, but that was my, (laughs) that was the second graphic novel I ever read of Batman. And it kind of, kind of fucked me up. (laughs) Uh, Teasy, do you remember like when you first learned about Grant Morrison? Was it reading him? Was it just hearing about him? Yeah, I think um, I have to piggyback with uh, what Graham said. Um, it was obviously like older, but um, definitely the Arkham Asylum stuff definitely uh, drew to my interest because 
of just how painterly and like how abstract it was. It looked like it was just out of left field. It felt very like high end and art, like a like a high high art taste looking story that was just hyper realistic, but very like very cryptic. And um, just you know, I just remember in my head like the Joker. Like you see that painterly vision of Joker where he looks real. He looks like a real person. Um, that sparked my interest. And uh, to me, that story is very psychological and um, it's something that has never been done before. So that was like my, that's the Grant Morrison that I, I like personally. Mm. That's out of like mm. multiverse stuff. Mm. It was like reading something that I knew I shouldn't read. It was a little taboo. I was like, mm. I don't know. If like, I... like, like those dirty magazines. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was like, I don't know if I should be reading boy. this, but I like it. But it's yeah, it definitely, is horror, definitely is a horror movie. Yeah. I, uh, I'm jealous of you guys. First time I ever read or knew about Grant Morrison. It was well after RIP was, I believe, a trade. And I don't know what the fuck was going on when I tried to read through it. Mm. So I was just completely confused. But uh, Robin, what was your first little taste of Grant Morrison. Uh, a lot of it was around this, like, read really close together, and I didn't uh, even register that it was the same guy writing it. Uh, so, like, uh, Arkham Asylum, uh, Gothic at the beginning yeah. of Legends of the Dark Knight, you know, a bunch of that stuff. And uh, I, I wasn't paying attention so much to who creators were at the time. Uh, so I yeah. wasn't realizing that uh, that this was the same guy doing all this stuff. Mm. So yeah, there were a few things, but that it was all that uh, that temperature of stuff that uh, mm. that I was reading from. And it was you know between Asylum and Gothic as well. It's a a really darker and more serious take than uh, than what most comics are. Mm. Yeah, or were. If if I could just go back real quick, like to your question, Tom. Uh, like, I was in the same boat as Gramps, right? Like, I had that Arkham Asylum book, and I didn't know what the fuck I was reading or looking at. Uh, the Legend of the Dark Knight, I was buying, and I read Gothic, and that was, like, all right, this is kind of not superhero stuff. Like, whatever. Uh, but I think the first time, like, the name Grant Morrison registered with me was uh, probably Justice League. I think that was in the 90s. Was it late 90s or early 2000s, his Justice League run? Yeah, he's been around. It was, yeah, yeah it was before the Batman yeah. stuff. So it's like, and so he, that and he was, had, yeah. Because Batman in that arc of whatever the initial run, the Batman was kind of, I don't know, the focus, I guess. No. Yeah, like the uh, the the area where he was writing, like the Bat God, as people call him, you know, where like no one could do shit to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the the Justice League Watchtower gets taken over, and all of the Justice League members get taken out, and he's the last one, and he's he's like basically stalking. Is it the one white of the Martians? Martians. Yeah, yeah, he's stalking the Martians and like picking them off like one by one because he's like, oh fuck, it's Batman. You know, like he, yeah. he's the only Justice League member that can take us down. Um, so so what for the for the listeners? I almost said the readers. Well, that too. <clears throat> For the listeners who are not familiar with who Grant Morrison is, he's 62 years old, guys. I'm not sure if you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, I I just want to, just out of respect, point out one thing. Uh, Grant does identify now as they. That's right. Okay, my apologies. Oh. Um, Grant Morrison was born in 1960. They are 62 years old, which is, uh, <laughs> it's pretty nuts considering you don't think that they're that old or that they're getting that old and you see pictures of them. Maybe it's because they have a bald head and uh, that, that hides age very well, but they were just on Seth Meyers uh, recently. You can go watch that. Yeah. Interview. Grant, yeah I, I've, I've got a part from that, that uh, I wanted to read. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, Grant was born in 1960 and um, their father was a very like counterculture hippie kind of anti-government anti um, um, anti like establishment individual series yelling at me, and Grant. There's I'll a couple of interviews bite. that are really worth checking out. One of them is the Kevin Smith one. Mm. He doesn't have it on uh, his regular stuff, but if you go on YouTube, you can just search uh, "Fat Man on Batman" with Grant Morrison, and they talk about a lot of what Grant Morrison kind of came up with as far as a kid growing up in the '60s and '70s. And a big thing about Morrison is that, um. 
their background of growing up in Scotland in like a very like poor, weird area really informs his mind. And a big thing that happened was going back to the time, Gramps, when you were reading, we talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, but he, uh, sorry, they were just fresh out of finishing writing Arkham Asylum. The 89 Batman movie comes out. It's a smash hit. And what does everyone want to do? They want to go to a comic book shop. They want to read. I want to read something Batman and, and Joker. And the graphic novel that was on the shelves at the time was Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. <laughs> so Grant Morrison at the time, I believe, had a dollar a page deal for every issue sold. So every issue sold of Arkham Asylum, he got a dollar per page. And it made them an overnight millionaire instantly. Um, they had already done Doom Patrol. They'd already done Animal Man. They'd already done some X-Men stuff. Obviously, this was a massive success, though, and it just blew them out of the... I mean, that name now is... It started kind of kicking off what, what Grant Morrison eventually became. So Grant goes... DC goes to Grant. You you can do whatever you want now. What do you want to do? And Grant says, I don't want to do anything. I just made a ton of money. I'm going to go travel. <laughs> so Grant decides... Uh, and they were very fond of you know smoking weed and hanging out and talking and watching documentaries. And they were watching a documentary about uh, this temple in Nepal in Kathmandu. And the temple states, you know, the legend states that if you ascend the temple steps in under, I think, 150 steps, in one breath, in one breath, 150 steps, you will reach enlightenment. So Grant and his friend, they're like, I just made a bunch of money. I'm a millionaire. Let's go do this. They took a trip. They book a trip to Nepal. And he took time away. He wasn't writing or anything. Um, took a trip to Nepal. They wanted to ascend the steps, so they they found a guide. They ascended the steps. They go up to this temple, and then they're like, "That's it, okay." And then Grant states, uh, and you can you can find this if you Google search, or if you go on YouTube and you look up Grant Morrison Chaos Magic. If you uh, he'll he'll tell. Uh, I'm sorry. They see it, they say it, and I'm so sorry by the way. Anyone who's like offended, I'm fucking it up. But you know, I'm yeah. trying. <laughs> Um, well, we we weren't aware until we started this episode. Yeah, didn't have much practice. So Robin there. mentioned it. So. But uh, Grant Grant essentially uh, states in multiple versions of this of this story um, that they were in a hotel room two days after they ascended the steps of this temple, and uh, that they were visited by beings of molten metal, circular molten metal beings entered his hotel room. And took his body, took his consciousness out of his body, shot him up into the universe and asked him, asked them, what would you like to see? And Grant said, I want to see the origins of life, of, of life on Earth. So they showed them some part of the universe that apparently is the origins of life. And they asked, they asked them again, now what do you want to see? And he, Grant Morrison said, I want to see the meaning of life. What's the point or, or whatever? And Grant Morrison says that these beings showed him the point of showed them the point of life is to grow. These celestial beings they cannot exist within. There is no time. There is no space. Reality does not exist within time and space. Um, so these celestial beings have to create life so that they can grow souls in a garden to learn from experience, so that they can learn from their experiences. They suffer. They live. They die. And then they can ascend to the celestial plane. So, Graham Morrison sees And this is this... all, Tom, this is all while he's on hash. This, this is, he said he was smoking hash, yeah. Yeah. But they claim that they, they, were, they were a little high, but that this is a real experience. <laughs> this is what they claim. This is a real experience. Yeah. I was a little high. Uh, that's yeah that's what he said i but did not inhale they, grant <laughs> yeah, this is like the fifth dimension stuff correct yeah, fifth yeah. Dimension. <laughs> so he says they, they took him to the fifth dimension they took them to the fifth dimension he's experiencing these beings that are more real to him than anything that they've ever experienced in the in the real 3d dimension or whatever you want to call it, the real 3d dimension and the beings tell him the the meaning of life is you're you are not a person the way you see yourself right now you're a sliver of time and space you see yourself as the grumps right now at whatever age you are in whatever place you are. And Grant Morrison states that they made it very clear that is not what you are. You are not a sliver of time. You are not a sliver of space. You are a process. You're more of like a worm. You are a caterpillar from birth all the way to death. And that is the experience of life. And that is how you're supposed to see it. And that is what it really is. 
So you live, you're born, you live, you die. And that is the experience. And we grow life, we grow souls in this plane. And there is a much bigger reality than the one you can see and experience. This happens multiple times until you're able to mature your soul to then ascend to the celestial plane, heaven, if you want to call it that. Grant is like, what the fuck? And he asks them, what am I supposed to do? And these celestial beings tell Grant, you need to tell as many people as possible what we just told you. And Grant says, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? So they shoot their body back down to his to their body in, on Earth. And Grant tries to figure out, how am I supposed to explain this to people? Then they realize, oh, I'm a comic book writer. I'll just pepper it into my comic books. Yeah. And so that was right before they started writing The Invisibles. They write The Invisibles. And Grant's like, I wonder how I'm supposed to get this to as many people as possible. The Invisibles turns into a very popular book. There you go. Is it, um, was that Image or Boom? What is that? This is uh, Vertigo. Vertigo. So it's DC, technically Vertigo. Yeah. So The Invisibles blows up. And um, it, it could be argued that the Wachowski siblings uh, came along and they made a little movie called The Matrix. And The Matrix, if you take images of The Matrix, scenes out of The Matrix... They are shot-for-shot remakes of panels from The Invisibles. Um, The story is very similar. There's this reality. There's this matrix that's the reality that you experience is not real. There's something greater. You're asleep. You have to wake up. We have to release you from this mental prison so that you can ascend and realize what your your purpose truly is. So Grant figures, I'm going to put all of this stuff into the comic books I write. Now... I th- the reason why I say Grump's why I think it's why I realize oh I think I know why this is Grump's favorite comic or comic run is because Grant Morrison something that they did was they took every aspect of Batman's history from all the campy shit all the funny shit yeah. all the first appearance shit and Grant said this all happened all to of one it. guy one guy there's yeah. no multiple versions of Batman there's one Batman there's one Bruce Wayne and he experienced all of this. And he found a way to call back all of this history. And he said that every iteration of Batman has been one year of his life. So the 1960s, the 1970s, um, Batman being alone, Batman with... It's all a year of his life. Every different iteration, all the weird shit. It's all one year of his life. And uh, a lot of the things that he claims, or they claim, that were told to him by these celestial beings... Grant tried to write into the comic book the 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 things about consciousness where life, death, and what happens to you the the aspect of when he dies when Batman dies spoilers one of the things that happens <laughs> is um, near the end of uh, Final Crisis uh, when he shoots you know um, uh, when he shoots uh, Darkseid Darkseid Dark shoots some of his Omega beams and kills him um, oh you're dead that's it but what Grant did was he took Batman's consciousness and he threw him back in time. And now you have to follow Bruce Wayne through this process of going through time back to the present. That concept of consciousness, that concept of uh, sp- time and space not being real, that's part of what he was told by these celestial beings. So using Batman, he's challenging this notion of what is consciousness? Could you relive experiences in a different body? What are you? What is a person? What is that experience? Can Batman be Batman through his ancestors in the past? Could Batman remember who he is through different variations, through reincarnation? And so all those themes that he was kind of told by what they were told by the celestial beings, he's peppered in. The Even the, the trippy nostalgia of the 60s, there's moments when Batman is and Robin through uh, Joker's, I'm sorry, Joker, through Scarecrow's fear toxin, they're tripping out. They're having hallucinations. They're having trips. And so yeah. a lot of what he writes is the 1960s can't be weird shit, the bang, the pow, and all the weird colors and all that. That's because they were tripping balls on scarecrow <laughs> toxin, and they're fucking high, yeah. and they're, yeah. they're on psychedelics. And that's a big part of his history is that he experimented a great deal with psychedelics. He experimented a great deal with uh, different, different cults. Yeah. And different, Isolation. Types, yeah, the isolation of uh, and and what's so great about that too is um, some of that stuff is actually actually happened throughout history where the CIA took uh, you know LSD and was 
using it and experimenting it on people to see what it would do. The notion of <clears throat> Batman creating an identity of himself to have as a backup plan should his identity and mind be wiped. That's kind of crossing over on, again, the experience that you have. Uh, what is what is consciousness? Can you survive past death? Can you exist outside of your body, outside of time? Can you unlock yourself in different versions of yourself? All this, it's just layered on layers of crazy shit. But what I wanted to do was ask you guys, did you know about the alien stuff? Did you know about the crazy shit? How much of how crazy and how wild Grant Morrison is did you really know? Or have you known? I didn't know any of that shit, like the crazy ideas that he uh, was revealing uh, when he was on what you mentioned uh, on Kevin Smith's uh, Fat Man on Batman show. That yeah, was that when was... I uh, started realizing how deep all, all these uh, ideas went, where they came from. Did you guys ever hear? I remember going to comic shops or I forget when, maybe at conventions. Oh, Grant Moore, Colt was one of them. Colt was like, oh, Grant Morrison. And I think he was like, oh, yeah, he's, uh, oh, yeah, he's out there. Or he's whatever or there, whatever. And I remember thinking, I, I heard about the alien thing. I heard about the, I heard about the drugs. That was the thing I knew the most. Like, yeah. oh, he, he does drugs, LSD. He's a big, he's a big tripper. You know, he trips. I knew after reading Arkham Asylum, he was <laughs> He was from the devil. And I took some snakes and I purified that book. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so I, I, I knew that you were going to get into uh, all that side of uh, where Grant comes from. So I wanted to cite... Uh, the way he looks at super, they, the way that they look at superheroes uh, specifically, which was revealed uh, as we mentioned earlier on uh, Seth Meyers just last month. So Grant has a, a novel coming out, and uh, Seth was sort of uh, referencing the subject matter of that, and it deals with uh, characters who are uh, crossdressers, you know, uh, uh, appear in drag throughout the story. So. Uh, Seth was sort of uh, referring to the difference uh, between what Grant's doing now and what he's really uh, well known for. And so uh, Seth said, you know, to some degree, it seems like drag is a huge departure from, say, superheroes. But in another way, it's not at all. And this is what Grant said. And I'll, I'm going to, because I don't know any other way, I'm going to read it in a really terrible Grant impersonation. <laughs> so uh, Grant said... Uh, you think of Superman, Peter Parker, those are just nerdy guys, but they they dress up in these super flamboyant costumes and go out at night. Batman's the worst. Batman's dressed for the fetish club. He gets in this big car and he cruises the streets of Gotham. Obviously, he's hoping Joker notices. You know, he that's what he wants. He wants to be seen. And, and that's why there's no way he's going out as Bruce Wayne. That guy's putting on the ears and the cape. He's like, notice me. So I think it's a hop, skip, and a jump from RuPaul to Bruce Wayne, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. That's just uh, fun to that know that Grant, that Grant sees uh, superheroes that way, you know? Like, they're they're getting into the costumes and, and being so different from the the daytime version of them. Mm -hmm. You know, we get the, uh, the after dark version of, of Bruce Wayne, and yeah. Now... <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but in that interview with Kevin Smith, did he also talk about, you know, his upbringing in Glasgow, that there was always the fear, because Glasgow is a very industrial town or city, and they made, like, war supplies and warships in Glasgow during the World War II. So there was always the threat that that was going to be a military target. And he grew up in that, you know, ideology that, you know, we could be bombed at any time. So there was always that fear there. So I can't remember if it was in the Kevin Smith interview, but there was times when they said specifically a memory that Grant shares is his, their father being, anti-war, anti-establishment, anti-any of that industrial complex. Their father was a photographer or a writer for a local paper and would use Grant as an excuse to sneak into 
uh, military bases and military installations to take photos of military bases and what they were doing for that exact purpose to go against it. Right. So hmm. Grant grew up with his dad, this hippie dad that would take him with his dad, with their dad to go and like, basically, uh, yeah, like, like take photos and, and look, look at what they're doing in our town. Look what they're, they're turning our town into a war zone. Right. So yeah, that was very much part of his, their upbringing that he mentioned. <clears throat> right. Yeah. See, th- there's a story that he, that they, that they, uh, that they recalled where Grant was a little boy, I think they were like six or seven and his dad, their dad picks them up and throws them over a fence just in case they get caught. The dad was going to say, Oh, we, uh, we, we threw his ball over and we were trying to get the ball back. So then Grant's dad jumps over the fence with his camera runs to this like military base to take photos and runs back just so under the cover of Grant throwing a ball over the fence. (laughs) Nuts stuff. dude. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The, the the father was into like ha, ha, hallucinogens as well, right? Not I don't remember if uh, okay. dad was, but the thing that that Grant mentions is they didn't start doing drugs and stuff like that until they were 30. They were pretty mm. straight-laced, no alcohol, no drugs, and it wasn't until they were a established adult that they chose to start experimenting. And um Grant used to cross-dress. Grant used to dress as a woman and go to nightclubs. Grant and, yeah. and they would do that just because he they mention challenging the norms of is what is my body what is my identity what is my person what is myself can I blur that line can I be somebody else can I can I be am I am I somebody else and that was an experience they had and um interesting stuff and that's that's why it's so important to kind of understand all of this and it, it, it gives clarity to what they're writing in Batman and um Something that, um, this is one of the first things when I think of Grant Morrison, I think of Batman R.I.P. And, uh, some of the things, some of the themes in that, um, involve identity, involve, you know, um, challenging these notions of this, especially like the tying in everything from the first iteration of Batman and making it a different version of yourself every year is a different iteration. The isolation chamber, the tripping balls, the seeing yourself in the 60s, the seeing yourself with the colors and all that, and all the different... He's jamming all these different personalities into one Batman, which is just crazy that, that they were able to do that and pull it off pretty well. Um, uh, there, was, there was a part where Bruce was talking about how he went to Nanda Parbat. And he said he just he wanted to taste the flavor of death, you know, mm. to, to to say he experienced everything, to look into the void, and you know. So that just yeah. reminds me of the story, you know, Grant's story of uh, going to Kathmandu. If yeah, I, very... if sorry, uh, if if anyone is listening to this and is already a fan of Grant's run, and you are not reading the current Chip Zdarsky Batman. Uh, oh, you yeah. should really get into uh, a lot of what Chip is doing is really informed from Grant's work. Not only Chip's stuff on the main Bat book, but also in Batman the Night, the 10-issue uh, uh, story that he did that covers the time where Bruce was traveling the world doing all this training. You know, All the stuff that we know through the legend has happened, but no one ever told that whole story before. So now Chip did that, and yeah, we get into Nanda Parbat and all that stuff. Cool. Uh, one of one of the things that a lot of people were confused about, but I always loved, is the Batman of Zurinar, and again challenging the idea of identity. What is a self? What is like your consciousness? What is your personality? What like you know, Bruce Wayne believes that they're Batman, and Bruce Wayne is the secret identity or the the mask. And uh, Grant kind of played with the idea of. If your mind is wiped, if your memories are lost, how could you remember who you are? And Batman has kind of a, a contingency plan for everything, so he included that. Is If I were to ever lose my mind, if I were to ever lose my memories, if I were to ever lose my sense of self, how could I retain my identity? So he created the, the identity of Zurin R to be a fail-safe plan in case that happens. Um, and we'll get into spoilers, but Doctor Hurt and the, uh, the is it the black glo- is it the black hand or the, the black glove? The, uh, yeah, 
Doctor Hurt, the Black Glove, the Club of Villains. Yeah, they yeah. they uh, that that the trifling heifer, Jezebel Jet. But um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just want to make a point. This is su- supposed to be uh, Batman without Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So if you strip away, again, playing with that identity, playing with consciousness, playing with what is a self, what is an identity, what is a person, yeah. and and playing with you know, stripping away the, the, I guess the ego, stripping away the veneer. What are you underneath inside? You know, what is the, and this is the process that you are. And so this is yeah. kind of, because uh, when they say that too, that Zer and R is very dangerous because there's no Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne is what. Yeah. Like the way I think of it is like Bruce Wayne is the ground. And, you know, to if you, you know, stripped that away, you know, what do you have, right? Like, Yeah. You just unleashed. And so. uh, and if if anyone isn't aware, the Zurin R Batman originally came from you know back in the uh, what the sixties I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. Where the Batman of Zurin R was this individual who came to Earth, introduced himself as Bat to Batman as the Batman of Zurin R, which was this other universe or dimension. He was the Batman where he came from. So things that uh, that Grant would do was take these ideas from the past and would really give them a, a more grounded kind of uh, backstory, like making that turning this, what was an alien into, well, what that actually is, is it's, it's another part of Bruce's subconscious. Mm. Yeah. And he did that with uh, Batmite too on the top that you see there. Yeah. Another, he took Batmite and he, he rolled it into his, his, uh, his run and Batmite was real. Batmite is kind of helping, you know, ground uh, the Batman of Zor and R and kind of guiding them. Um, so is... it's like, and look, I mean, looking, I, I can't tell you how many times I've read the story, but uh, like looking back, it's it's kind of like like Batmite is almost like a, a, a fragment of Bruce Wayne, or you know. And uh, mm-hmm. that kind of you know guides this this animal, this beast, this uncontrolled Batman. Like, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't do that, or hey, you, you <laughs> might want to check, you know, this little thing, or you might want to check your tooth. You know, they probably hit something in there. You know, blah blah blah. It's uh, it was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, this and is again, also quintessential Tony Daniel art. I mean, like, oh yeah, yeah. The uh, this is the, the height for me. Yeah. The, and we can always we can always talk about yeah, we can have a whole Tony Daniel episode where we fight each other on what's going on with Tony Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> could have a Tony I Danza was... episode. <laughs> I just think about Tony Daniel because um think about being the artist that's that's paired with Grant Morrison and like you know, your Batman is coming out week or monthly. Grant Morrison's your writer, you're the artist, like you're paired with the rock star, your book's selling like hotcakes. And then yeah, this was amazing art. You know, he did some great stuff, and then it seems like well, you know, like what happened? Did he kind of like, kind of just take a take a break, or was you know? I guess it's like sometimes it's like you know you're you're riding this massive wave, and uh, you're good. You kind of like just rest on your laurels a bit. Who knows? But I don't mind. It, what he this does is now. this is kind of like a Tony Daniel version of Hush. You know, like I don't yeah. think he'll ever be as epic as his coming what he did here. But um, yeah. I, I was going to ask you guys too, because obviously you guys are really into Grant. Do you think subliminally, like this is him putting himself, putting a cowl over his head? Like if he was Batman, yeah. like this would be right. Like, cause that's like, obviously I'm more to me, like I'm more drawn to the Arkham Asylum because it's very horror, but seeing the whole story of RIP subliminally and also seeing these other videos of grant and knowing his perspective it's literally him throwing the cowl on and him as batman like that's 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 what i'm yeah. getting out of yeah it's the way i see it is all multi-dimensional yeah. um timeline but he's yeah. he's he's what uh centers every little scene you know it's the consistency it's uh yeah grant 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 has always been interested in challenging his his sense of what is reality what is what is consciousness 
if I exist in this space, can I exist in a different space? Can I exist in a different time? Time is an illusion. Space is an illusion. That's why I love the um, the Batman through time stuff because it's like mm. it's it's if I die, could I be reincarnated in the past? Like what I experienced myself in the past, could I experience myself in the future? And then you think about it when he talks about that whole uh, caterpillar thing. If you look at it, there is no time, there is no space. So you can be Batman now and still be Batman in the past at the same time. You're Batman now and you're still Batman in the future. It's all happening at the same time continuously. And he plays with that and he jumps through that. It's it's, it's weird. It's super cerebral. And for me, I was so confused by that when I first read it without any background information. I bet yeah. you him and Alan Moore get along really well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Alan yeah. gets gets along with anyone anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But wouldn't you love to be a uh, just a fly on the wall if those two were in just a room talking? Oh my god! Some sort of beef with them, I think. I mean, I might be you know incorrect, but there was something there between the two of them. I'm not sure how well they get along. I'm not surprised. Completely forgot to mention, Grant Morrison is a practicing sigil magician. Oh yes, which means that Grant Morrison. believes that you can manifest reality if you t- and he had they have a a protocol they wrote into the back pages of one of the issues I, w- I believe of the invisibles where they talk and tell you if you write and draw out a word and you break that down to a couple of letters you break that down to an image based on the you know the whatever if you put that in a piece of paper you fold it up and you concentrate on you concentrate on you concentrate on I'm not kidding you you masturbate while you're concentrating on it. Concentrate. <laughs> okay. And at the moment of climax, you think about that manifestation. This is the truth. He believe they believe that it will come true. That you are <laughs> you have the ability to manifest your reality. And <laughs> Grant He said that on one of the videos that you said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grant explains that in some of the issues of the invisibles and there's also in the first arc of Batman there's people that he puts in the comics. He puts himself into the comics. Yeah. And that's on purpose because they've said they are, Grant is literally trying to manifest meetings, meeting with other people, uh, meeting with, with famous people. They've put things that they want to have happen to him and them in their comics. And one of the things that he didn't notice that was happening was they didn't notice. They wrote in, in part of the invisibles that one of the main characters that is based on him uh, gets shot in the face, and then in rea- in reality, Grant claims that a couple months later he got a st- they got a staph infection in their cheek and almost died from the infection, and then they had to then write that he survived so that he would survive that they would survive in real life. <laughs> so side story. Jeez. Back to the comics. This was massive, uh, just culturally, uh, <laughs> that happened during his run. This is technically not in the Batman run, but it folds over into Final Crisis, the main event. Where he, this is such an iconic image, such an iconic moment where Batman literally fucking dies, and yeah, you know, stops, uh, sacrifices himself basically to stop Darkseid, and and it and, affected uh, so much in in the other comics because you know not only we had Battle yeah. for the Cowl happen, and then we had the that period of time where where Dick was Batman, you know, yeah. It, uh, yeah. changed everything. Uh, Detective Comics became a, a Batwoman book. That yeah. was, uh, if I could just real quick, like that time in life was incredible because there was Final Crisis happening simultaneously with R.I.P., which is also happening while uh, one of the movies, uh, the Dark Knight movie was coming out, I think. Hmm. So it was oh, yeah. all kind of in and around the same time. And Batman not only dies in Final Crisis, he also kind of sort of died in R.I.P. at the end. That was a little controversy that was happening. So. Yeah, wild. Which led into then Dick Grayson taking on the mantle of Batman um, and Damian Wayne becoming the new Robin, which uh, he created Damian. Yeah, he did create Damian. Yeah, and uh, his uh, Grant's story for Damien was meant to end where Damien died in Batman Incorporated. Yeah. Uh, the Grant didn't plan for Damien's uh, you know, resurrection return. Yeah, that 
that came during that New 52 Batman and Robin. Well, yeah, took the baby that was born in, uh, God, what was that book? Oh, yeah. Um, Curse, Curse, was it Curse of the Demon or Son Curse of the Demon? Demon. Uh, Son of the Demon. Yeah. Son of the Demon. I forget who, who wrote it. Was it Mike W. Barr? I'm, I can't remember. It might have been. Uh, what? Anyway, and yeah, Grant took that name. baby and essentially made him Damien. Yeah. <laughs> in one of the in one of the interviews they're talking about I think it's the Kevin Smith one they're talking about imagine if imagine if Batman was sexy like the Neil Adams he's got a chest and a hairy chest and takes his shirt off and he fucks the devil's daughter as a child the devil's <laughs> daughter the devil's son Damien and it's it's fucking so funny the the way that they see Batman as you know Batman was goofy Batman was you know the the pulp version then he was sexy again when neil adams took him over and made him look sexy and shirtless yeah. and then then he became nuts again and then you know damien has to ground him or whatever one of the things that um grant mentions is they flipped the the duality of uh the dark knight being the gritty mean asshole and robin the boy wonder being the kind of the yeah. light fluffiness it switches because then um, Dick becomes Batman. Damien becomes the asshole. So, I loved I loved that run of uh, you know Batman and Robin, where um, you know there, there's there's moments in that run where like they're in the Batmobile and they're going over like a massive jump, and then it's like Batman and Robin will never die. Like they're fucking like it was so sick. <laughs> Batman and Robin will never die. Like, and they're they're like basically talking shit. Like they're the best dynamic duo. You know, because it's not Bruce, it's us. You know, it's like the kids, the the parent went away for the weekend, and the kids fucking went joyriding with the car. And yeah, and was it in that same Batman on Batman? Anywhere, somewhere, I I remember Grant Morrison saying that his whole purpose was to, to have Damien die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like what Robin yeah. said is like, you know, kind of like when Miller created Elektra. Her whole purpose was to create an emotional character and then kill her. And that mm-hmm. made, you know, uh, a more interesting story. Same with, you know, it gave Bruce more tragedy. Um, but then DC realized a lot of people like him. Let's, <laughs> let's exploit yeah. this and sell some more books. And, on and hated him. And yeah. hated him. Yeah. yeah. He's just yeah. a polarizing character. And uh, the, the, the way you, take a character to the limit is by either killing them or, or killing someone closest to them and exploring that. And that's what Grant kind of did. Um, another thing that Grant created, which is a personal favorite is oh, yeah. uh, professor pig. Um, yeah. Which eventually became a big part of the games. And was he in any other shows? I think he was in Gotham. He was in uh he was in uh, beware of the Batman. The show. That's right. Yeah. The, yeah, uh, the, the animated series. Show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so wild to think about. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, they did a really good job with him in Arkham Knight. Made him all creepy and yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, spoilers. I haven't played it yet. I'm still <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eighty six percent on Arkham City. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I was trying to remember uh, Damien's original name in Son of the Demon, and uh, yeah, it was uh, Ibn Al Zufash, and uh, okay. yeah, it was uh, it was Mike W. Barr. Okay, cool. And was Kubert was I think during that time Kubert was doing some of the art Frank I can't remember it's always mixed up but Kubert did like maybe the first I can't remember but I just remember the first couple issues of uh, Damien coming into the mix looked fucking amazing yeah, yeah I, was, think, uh, I think cool. Damien's first appearance was uh, he was doing the art yeah, yeah. and uh, then there's uh, multiple I love that too there's uh, uh, he takes the concept of uh, man bat and Kirk Langstrom, uh, you know, he he blackmails Kirk Langstrom to create the serum so that he can create an army of man bats um, to kind of be the uh, go- yeah. uh, cronies for uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Rachel Gould. Um, good shit, man. Some good yeah, shit. There- yeah, a lot of people hate Damien, and uh, like when I'm uh, citing some of the things that I like about Damien, it's funny that a, a couple of my favorite things that I use to uh, to explain to to people why he's uh, why he's cooler than they think aren't even Grant parts. But uh, in the New Fifty Two, uh, the Peter Tomasi and Pat Gleason run, there's uh, that part real early on, you know, because they start with uh, 
Damien is still being uh, sort of brought into Bruce's way of living and, you know, the, the whole Batman and everything. And uh, Bruce commands uh, Damien to stay in the uh, in the cave. This may be right after uh, Damien and Tim had gotten into a fight in the cave and Damien had basically left uh, left Tim for dead. But uh, Bruce goes out to catch someone. I forget who it was, who he, who he was going out to find. And he demanded that Damien stay in the cave because he couldn't be trusted. Damien decides he's going to sh- show Bruce how useful he can be. And he goes out to find the same person, finds him first, and cuts his fucking head off and brings it back to the cave. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just looking but, at the panel. <laughs> but then the other one, this is uh, the the two sides of the coin that there are to Damien. Uh, there's that, I forget what issue it is, but leading up to one of the anniversaries, I think it's leading up to the anniversary of the murder of Thomas and Martha. Uh, Damien had been, uh, you know, taken off on his own sometimes. And Bruce didn't know what he was doing. And what we eventually find out Damien was doing uh when he presents Bruce a gift on the anniversary of the death of his parents, we find out that Damien had been searching through the sewers underneath crime alley. And what he presents Bruce with, I think it was like a, a, like a velvet ring box, you know, like, like a, like a wedding, wedding ring would be in. And he gives that to Bruce and Bruce opens it up. And it's one of the pearls from Martha Wayne's necklace. And that was what Damien was scouring the sewers for, you know, mm. to, to give that to, to Bruce on the anniversary of their death. Yeah. There's, a, there's that. another, there's another part during the Tomasi Gleason run too, that just like fucking destroyed me was when Damien and Damien is having like these moments with um, Alfred and Alfred is trying to like help rehabilitate Damien to not be a fucking sadistic, psychotic like killer the way that he was programmed and raised to be and so damien is it's constantly trying to prove that he's not and at one point alfred goes under damien's bed and like opens up a box and he sees that damien's been killing birds so that he doesn't kill people to keep himself from to still he knows he can't stop from killing because he's programmed to do it so instead of killing people he'll kill like animals and it's just so fucked up and sad, like the yeah. way you yeah. see Alfred opens the box and he sees like the dead birds, and he's like heartbroken that he knows he's trying so hard to not be the killer that he is, but Damien can't stop himself. So he's like, the one thing he can do is okay, I can't kill people, but I have to kill. What can I kill? It's like birds. There's tons yeah. of them. No one's ever gonna notice. So fucking yeah. Crazy. It's so. it's it's sort of like a Louis eating rats in Interview with a Vampire. Yeah, or Louie and my dog eating rats. <laughs> there was a. I mean, speaking of that, there was you know throughout the run, this you know with with all those, was it four characters: Bruce, Dick, Alfred, Damien. There's so much father and son stuff happening there. Yeah. Like, you know, I didn't have a particularly you know great relationship with my dad until the end. Mm-hmm. So it was you know it was uh, it's heavy. It's super yeah. heavy. You know. But there's so much, there's there's father and son stuff, there's superhero stuff, there's (coughs) magic, there's drugs, there's religion, and throughout the whole seven years or whatever it was. And uh, another great moment was that that moment that uh, Dick and Damien had in uh, Batman Incorporated, you know, where Damien... uh, charges into his death uh, against the heretic. You know, by by this time, Bruce was obviously long back as Batman and Dick was back to to being Nightwing. But before Damien goes into his death, he had that moment, you know, with with Dick. Yeah, he said, we were the best, Richard. I I don't care what anybody says. And then... He didn't want it to end. Yeah, and then... um, What's... uh, Tomasi and Gleason did that... You know, they did that Requiem arc you know where yeah. every oh, yeah. every issue was about Damien's passing for for that one month no words and yeah there was that silent issue uh, of Batman and Robin that uh ended with uh Bruce had that breakdown and you know in the like the sort of locker room of the Batcave where they keep the costumes and everything 
he just destroyed the lockers and everything. And it ends with that shot of him hugging Damien's costume at that mirrored uh, the image of him and Damien hugging, you know, when they were coming to terms, you know, yeah. as, as father and son. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of good stuff in all yeah, that. Yeah, so Mossy and fucking Gleason, man. They they also did in part of that rec- – well, I don't know if it was – I think it was them in that – and maybe it was them. There's an issue where um, Bruce is, like, alone in the Batcave breaking down after Damien's de- – and there's no dialogue. But he's pl- – like, first of all, yes, of course he would do this. He records their – he records their patrols, the audio of them being out on patrol. And so he plays back one of the – patrols that he was doing with Damien and you hear him and so he has Damien's voice on recording and he's listening to the recording of him and Damien on patrol like talking back and forth as Batman and Robin and how Damien is like so alive and so like joyous to be doing this and and he's like crying as he's listening to the recording of Damien and it's like holy fuck like, <laughs> yeah Damien is probably um, going to be Grant Morrison's biggest legacy that he brought to the batman yeah. mythos you know besides all the the weirdness um but that that one character he he uh, it's gonna be interesting how they age him up over time the, there, there's a couple of times there's a couple of issues where he does that and in, uh, in this run and he shows uh, what what would it be like in the future? Oh, he's supposed to be Batman six sixty six. Yeah, he's supposed to be like where he sells his soul. Yeah, and he's like got powers. Mm. It's crazy. He's bald. Yeah, that's like that like, that's you know that's the devil shit and the 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 god thing. That image you showed earlier, of Alex Ross, Batman R.P.'s. He looks like Jesus Christ rising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's man, there's a ton of weird shit in here. And then you know, there some people are trying to say was Doctor Hurt the devil, or, you know, whatever. I mean, man, it was that's good shit. I know yeah, when like... we covered this story one time, I had to read yeah. this thing like three times because <laughs> I was like, what yeah. is yeah. going on here? Yeah. Um, what uh, what what baffles me is like DC agreed to it. Like, hey, no problem. Yeah. Dude, this shit is like some fucking you can't abstract. Just jump in, you can't just jump into half of his. You can't jump in halfway. You have to run. That was pre social media days, right? Like, well, big social media anyway, like the way we know it now. So. And the early parts of it. And that, it, that was an easier time to, uh, to have comics be a surprise. Like, I remember when the issue, the Damien Death issue of Incorporated came around. The news was out like the week before that issue yeah. came out. You know, it was all over online, and so then everyone was trying to snap up copies of that issue. I mean, he, yeah, you know, he, he also has a history of uh, generating big dollars for DC, so yeah. they're just like, "Hey, ro- roll the dice again." And yeah, yeah, and um, a, a big part of why we wanted to do this is. It's just a tough read. I mean, even if you like Morrison, if you like Batman, it takes a, it takes like wait, what the fuck? I gotta read that again because there's there's layers to what Morrison is doing, and a lot of it to keep in mind is that's kind of why we wanted to do this episode is Morrison is challenging the idea of time, he's challenging the idea of space, he's challenging the idea of identity, and what all of that means when you play with it. So uh, timelines crossing multiple timelines at the same time um past present and future happening uh at the same time but also you can jump and live it linearly all of that is challenged in his run and the re- like what you got to take into consideration is why is because he believes they believe they were taken their consciousness was taken out of their physical body was taken out of the third dimension put into the fifth dimension and where Grant was in that time, there was no time. There was no space. There was just consciousness that the best way I can describe it is at the end of, if you guys have seen the movie Interstellar, when Matthew McConaughey is trying to connect back to his daughter. I don't know if you guys have not seen it. Anybody not seen it? I haven't seen it, no. 
There's a scene. Well, I don't want to spoil it. Oops, I already did. That's it's like fun. 20 years mm-hmm. old. Get with yeah. it, Grump. <laughs> there's, there's a scene where he is he is going through this black hole, and he comes out of the black hole, and he comes into this uh, library or matrix of memories, and he can access the past and connect to his daughter. And that's basically what Grant was trying to do, is trying to explain that reality or what what reality is, it's not a linear timeline. It is a matrix where his their belief is if you exit the third dimension, enter the fifth dimension, you can now go into different times and different places whenever you want at the same time, past, present, future, and have those experiences because it's all happening continuously at the same exact time. So Batman being able to jump from the past, present, and the future, being able to experience themselves in different forms as different people, it makes sense because that's what reality is. It's not linear. It's this matrix where you can jump and find yourself into different multiple dimensional areas. And uh, that is, for me, once I figured that out, okay, this shit makes more sense now. Yeah, Yeah. You know, like, okay, that makes sense to me now. Okay, well, how is this? There's an issue. There's one of the issues I want to say Batman and Robin reborn where they show you the same thing happening in three different timelines. They show you the same thing happening as like 1966 Batman as like Neil Adams, Batman as, um, you know, present day Batman. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Why, why does he continuously re-experience the same moment as different versions of himself? And that's the challenge is that Morrison was, first of all, Batman is in an isolation chamber, tripping balls. But Morrison yeah. is also saying that all of these three different timelines happened at the same time, and Batman's consciousness can tap in and out of it and experience each of them however they want. Because that's what reality is. Reality is not one timeline. Reality is infinite different versions of it that you can experience. You can pop out and pop in whenever you want. So when I listen to Rosetta Stoned by Tool... That is Batman on the table. Yeah. Tripping okay. balls. Just one week. With the YouTube equal the visualizer going. Wanted to be clear. Yeah. I think um you, you if you're listening to this, you gotta start with Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. and Gothic because uh themes and characters from those two stories come back in uh RIP uh, maybe not mm-hmm. the Black Glove, but uh, Barbatos comes back multiple times throughout the run. And Barbatos was introduced, at, pretty sure, in Gothic. I, I uh, think another good way to uh, explain everything that Tom was just explaining there is simply with this image right here. You know what? <laughs> Like as it's a joke, but it's that's exactly what he was trying to explain. And what's funny is um, parts of parts of that first series of True Detective are are influenced by the book The King in Yellow, which deals with that exact concept of a constant happening through different timelines and different experiences in different times and places. Reading everyone reads this book, and it's like it, once you read the book, you go crazy. So it's showing different versions of timelines, different versions of lives, reading the same book and going crazy in a different way. Um, great, great reference. But uh, there's something else I wanted to add. Oh, yes. A good thing to help people with if you are struggling to understand this, how does Grant Morrison tie everything together? Um, I believe it was after his run, at some point, maybe during his run, they came out with Batman, the black case book. Yeah, yes. that that's uh, actually if if you're looking at uh, a timeline of reading Grant's uh, all Grant's Batman stuff, uh, the black uh, the black case book is is where to start because that explains uh, where these uh, historical issues that were influencing his run come from, and that way you have okay, oh, Batmite, oh, Zurnar, oh, the communicator that he uses with frequencies. It's all in there. The bat radio. Bat radio, yeah. <laughs> um, wild shit. So, like I said, I hopefully this intro episode gives you a better comprehension of what to expect and when it gets weird. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be reading it and the shit that's like, what the fuck? We're going to be grabbing a hold of like, okay, this is what Grant means. This is what they were doing. This is what they were saying or this is what we're trying to say. 
and that'll there it is there it right is. there and then uh that'll hopefully help with understanding the crazy parts of this run are we gonna do hash or what are, like, how far are we gonna go uh, create sigils <laughs> yeah we are not doing drugs people first episode Rub, i will do sigil magic on air oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm busy that day. <laughs> if you get if you guys don't know what I was just doing, visualize uh, everyone listening to this. Uh, stand up, uh, slightly lean forward, um, bend your knees, um, close your All eyes. All right, great. Bite your lips. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Thank and you. then roll some dice. <laughs> yeah. Man, if if we had any sponsors, we would have just lost. <laughs> Golly. We 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 would have lost two billion dollars like Kanye in one day. Oh, God. <laughs> and got canceled by the by the city of Chicago. <laughs> we want to get more subscribers, not lose them. <laughs>